Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the From the Finney podcast. This one is a little bit of a different episode. I'm joined by Keith Harrison, the author of the new North End Souls book. Um, North End Souls 2, to be precise. His first one was out in, I think it was September last year. Yeah, so we just talked through the book, how it all came about, the players that he's interviewed for the different chapters. And if you've not purchased the book yet, then you can find it at northendsouls.com. Well worth a read and 10% of all profits that Keith makes go to the Baby Beat Appeal charity as well. So very worthy cause. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Keith. Thank you very much for, for joining me. This is a bit of a different episode to what I usually do, but probably less than 12 months on, I would say, from the last time you were here, you, you're back again. Yeah, can't keep me away. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, what was it? It was September the last one came out, so what's that? Seven months away. Yeah. Uh, when, when the North End Souls one came out. Yeah. And um, to be honest with you, this one, the second one, I was going to wait until the start of the new season. Mm. Um, but you know, obviously with what's gone on, who knows when that's going to be. And I, I had like a big launch plan. I was going to try and get Hunts uh, down to the club shop and, you know, do a do some signings down there because the club shop's been really good and, and loads of people have, have had it from there. And um, and have a bit of a launch. And then, of course, what's kicked off kicked off. And we were gutted because we actually went down to Luton, me and my mates. Um, we were down in Luton uh, the night before, well, some like a village outside and um and on the way down we got the word that the uh, the game was off and um you know we just carried on down there anyway and, and what was made the most of the weekend yeah we, we, had, we had the night out in uh, in uh, in luton milton Keynes area and um and then came back and it was bizarre the next day because i was i was back in stafford at like three o'clock thinking well we sh- i should be at the game now you know we, yeah. we had and everything so um and who would have thought back then that this is is where we'd be now? Yeah, so I, I was going to do it for the start of the new season, but you know, and then then I thought, well, it's ready, and the new season at for that point, I thought it could be January for all we yeah. knew, and uh, it still might be, not it? So uh, so I thought, well, people are sitting around, I'll um, I'll, I'll get a, uh, a skate on with it, sort of thing, and um, and get it up and uh, and get it out there. So that's what I've done, and. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit sooner than, than I thought, but it's gone incredibly well. I mean, I did the, the pre-orders uh, for a week before uh, it went actually went on sale, and it was just, I thank God I did, in all honesty, because there's no way I'd have been able to keep up with the um, uh, the, the levels of, of, of orders that came in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's only me and my missus, and my missus does all the... Uh, all the, the writing of the letters and the sense. She deals with all that because I'm, I'm useless with that. And... Um, you know, our house looked like a, a postal sorting office. We have piles of books everywhere. And, and the thing is now, we've got, you know, North End Souls, the first one. We've got uh, North End Souls 2. We've got the double pack. And some people want them signed. Some people don't want them signed. And and it's just piles of stuff everywhere. So we, we, we're desperately uh, trying to uh, keep on top of it all and get them all out. And, 
And it's it's really weird. Uh, we were just saying before, Jay, weren't we, that the, the postal service is, has been really affected by this COVID thing. Yeah. And some people have got them really quickly and other people, um, you know, it's, it's taken longer and it just seems random. And when I've chased up the post office, they've just said it's down to COVID. Mm. So, you know, it's like Christmas levels of business that they've got half the staff on. So it's been really, um, yeah. a, a real, it's been great because we've had that many orders come in and again, they've gone all over the world. Yeah. Um, um, but on the other hand, it's been uh, it's been absolutely manic keeping up with it all. But feedback so far has been good. People who've who've seen it, and uh, one guy's read it already. I think he got it on um, he got it one day in the week, and he he, he texted me and said uh, said oh, I've, I've just finished it. It's absolutely brilliant. Thanks for it. And I thought I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that he's read it <laughs> like, quickly. I thought you know it, it's it's hundred and forty four thousand words, and I thought well, somebody's rattled through that. But uh, obviously he's. Um, He's just got, got into it. And it's one of them you, you can't put down. He said, I, yeah. I, I said to him, I texted back, I said, I'm not sure that's a good thing about it. And he said, um, he said, well, I just couldn't put it down. He said, and uh, he said, I was like off work and just like sat out and read it. And he said, absolutely brilliant. So so that's all good. And I think it's um, it's going to go uh, uh, go well. I think um, it's slightly different to the, the first one in as much that it's it's – Slightly thinner. I mean, the first one I was saying the other night that what I wanted it to be was substantial, and I've never done a book before, so I, I wanted to make sure that it felt like it was a decent, a decent weight, and yeah. pay maybe twelve ninety nine for it. That it felt like value for money, yeah. and then when I got it, I, I, I picked it up. I thought, Christ, this is heavy. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So what I've done with this one is just just reduce the size of the the the, uh, the paper and the weight of the, the paper. Yeah. And it's been it, it feels a lot lighter and it's a lot easier to, to handle. So that's um, that's a, a good thing on it. And uh, just a few things in it, you know, that that I learned from the first one because yeah, first I was, was going to ask you: is there anything that you sort of coming into this second one? Because I think you said I don't know if you said to me when we've been having chats over Facebook or whatever if you said it elsewhere that when you were doing the first one, you never actually planned for a second one. No, 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 I didn't. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be um, a, 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 one a one and done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so coming into the second one, was there anything that you've obviously learned or taken away from the first one and thought, right, I need to make sure that I don't do that again? Yeah, don't don't have it weigh a ton. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, so, so, well, I mean, the, the other thing with the first one was, I, never, I didn't ever see it, because all I ever saw it was on a screen. So I was trying to like visualize what it would look like. Yeah. It's really difficult when you haven't got anything physical in your, in your hand to sort of check out, check and see how it's going to look. So little things like the margins, like the size of the text in it, yeah. um, uh, the page numbers, all the fonts, all these little, little things, which I don't know. I don't think nobody has ever come on to me and said, uh, oh, Keith, I think the font is this. Or you could, nobody's ever said that. Your margins are a bit... But I noticed these things, you know. So yeah, yeah. the second one, it's a lot more polished because I was able to look at the first one and say, right, this needs to be like that. That needs to be like that. I need to change this. And it just, um, yeah, it just came together a, a lot easier, really. And mm. uh, I think I'm, I'm really pleased with it. The one thing I was really worried about was the colour of the cover. And um, because I, I couldn't do another blue one, a white one, possibly I might go white for the next one, uh, which would be the the plan, really. I'm giving too much away there. But anyway, and um, the, yeah, we'll um, come on to that in a bit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at <clears throat> um, 
and you know the color of it and i wanted it to be yellow yellows and um i was uh I, I did it and i sent off this test these test stickers and they came back and it was like it was just like this horrendous bright green and i thought oh god so then i tried to make it like more sandy then it was orange and i thought geez if there's one color it cannot be it's that scotch <laughs> no thanks so um yeah, so so then I finally, I was really worried when I opened the box thinking, because you never know when you send it to a printer what it's going to look like when it comes out. I was really worried when I opened the box, what colour is this going to be? But it's perfect, yeah. so I'm happy as a sandboy with that. Yeah. So with this one then, how different was it in terms of interviewing the, the the people involved compared to the first one? Did you do did you do a lot more of these sort of remote yeah, I had to do because of the, uh, the the COVID thing. It kicked in, and I was I was all set uh, to go and see Mick Elwitz uh, at his house uh, in Preston, just on the outskirts of Preston. Yeah, and um, we were talking the night before. Come tomorrow, Mick. Yeah, get the kettle on. Eleven o'clock. Happy days. And um, and then I think it was that that night there was one of these announcements about you know COVID and blah. I think Boris Boris announced the lockdown. It was either on a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah, that might have been it because I was due of Monday. I was supposed to go and see him. Yeah, and um, so yeah, it, it was bizarre. So I rang him up in the morning and I said, "Well, mate, what, what, what should we do here?" Because it was all a bit new and a bit confusing. Yeah, and um, so I was able to, to. He said, "Well, we'd better do it over the phone," and, and it wasn't the best because you know I always like to talk to people. But having said that, once we get talking, um, you know, Mick was absolutely brilliant. He was such yeah. a lo- lovely fellow to talk to. Before your time, Jack, you're too young to remember me. I know, I know the name, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know him if he'd punch me in the face. Uh, oh, well he, well, he wouldn't do that. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that he would, but... Uh, but he, he might if you saw that haircut. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, no, he's, he's, a, he's a lovely, lovely fella. And again, talking to Miguel about him and Alex Bruce, I mean, Alex Bruce, um, you know, about the, what, they, what it was like for them in the 1970s. Yeah. Just unbelievable, really, and I can do that. And um, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And you know, his stories about uh, Terry Venables—he was managed by Terry Venables and played down for the Palace, and obviously Bobby Charlton and Nobby Styles and that fantastic promotion season at North End. And uh, what a—he was brilliant. And he was—he's got some fantastic stories to tell about what life was like back then, and it was completely yeah. different in terms of. Um, in terms of the tactics and the team talks and things. And, you know, I think he talks about Harry Catterick, who was the, the North End manager for his spell when he was when he was at North End. And, you know, he says at one point there was a rumour, not to be proven, that Harry Catterick said on a Saturday afternoon he was going to watch another player. He was going off on a spying mission to... He wasn't going to be at North End's game. He was going to go and watch a player. And, uh, and a rumour was that he went and played golf instead. <laughs> at Southport, you know. I mean, these are like, you know, this is. It was just like imagine that these days. It's a, a different world. So, yeah, um, that, that, a, you yeah, know, it wouldn't happen, would it? And quite a few were saying that things like, um, you know, the uh, the team talks going back to the the nineteen fifties. The, the two guys, and and again, those two guys, Eric Jones and Peter Hyam, that a lot of fans won't have heard of, um, but. I put them in because their stories from the 1950s. At first, I was thinking, well, nobody's going to hear of these guys. You know, what, what, it's, they're going to be talking about stuff that even I don't remember. And um, they, uh, but the stories they were telling and what it, about what it was like was far yeah. more interesting. And 
you know, in, in those days, the manager wouldn't give you a team talk half-time or before the game. It was just, you're the team, go out and play. And there was no tactics. There was no, you know, there was play, fellas having like a fag and a drag of whiskey at half-time. And, you know, and uh, it was just incredible, really, how, how, how different it was. Yeah, It's the same with, like, I think with the first book, in a way, I played it safe because I thought, well, I've got to go for plays that people remember. And the, the furthest one back was uh, was John Thomas. And um, uh, But people would say to me, oh, you want to get Alex Bruce? You want to get Mick Elwis and, and stuff? Yeah. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I've now been able to get them. I see massively, obviously, heroes of mine. And, and as soon as I thought, well, I'm going to do a second one, they were at top of the list. And, um, yeah, it's it's brilliant to get their stories in. Um, yeah. And, and to just get that, that perspective, really, down the years. Because not only that, when, you, when you're doing a book, if you get everybody from the, uh, the Baxi era or everybody from the, you know, the, the Billy Davis era, there's a danger that they're all telling the same stories. And you've got to break it up with, with exactly. different eras. And, and so that people don't know, well, here's such and such talking about that game. And then here's the other same player talking yeah. about the same game. And, you know... You can get too much. You can get too samey. So when you you break it up and get plays out of there, now I've still got now you know plenty of people left on the list. But um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been absolutely it's been absolutely brilliant. And um, I think some of them as well. Obviously, people are um, uh, picking up on uh, Tony Ellis, and he was all right with me. And and you know he's get he gets a bad rep obviously because he went off to to go to Blackpool. But I think again, people are seeing that. Uh, somebody put on Facebook, well, he could have gone to 90 other clubs. Well, he couldn't have gone to 90 other clubs because 90 other clubs didn't weren't interested. Yeah. They weren't interested. He was playing in the fourth division, so he can write off the first top two divisions anyway because they weren't going to have him. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're presuming that the, the other 40-odd clubs in the, uh, in the in the bottom leagues definitely did want him and mm. could afford him and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it, it's it's not the case. And it, it's, a, it's a case of he just moved house. He had to... Um, you know, he had to put food on the table for his family. He didn't have loads of options. And Blackpool to, was one of them. Yeah, and North End, basically, you know, kicked him out the door, really. John yeah. Beck and the, and the people in charge. And, and, you know, you've got to wonder about the people in charge at the time because they sat back in, I think, the November, December time that, that year anyway. So, what, five, six months later, they sat John Beck. Well, if they if they knew they were... You know, having doubts about him, which presumably they were. Well, why why would you get rid of Tony Ellis and just just keep hold of him? And then when a new manager came in, um, I mean, he'd have been brilliant under Gary Peters. But you know, having said that, we might not let any Andy Savile and Steve Wilkinson and yeah, and exactly. Really so you know how things work. But I mean, Tony I, I'd have never got my signed birthday card off them. <laughs> well Andy, Andy Savile was brilliant and again he's another guy who's really really down to earth when I spoke to him uh, yeah. and uh, interesting trivia question for you Jake Who, which ex-North End manager kicked Andy Savile's teeth in uh, John Beck Simon Grayson oh really yeah, <laughs> when he was playing for Leicester and he was playing for uh, for Birmingham, yeah, Grayson kicked his teeth by accident, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I had visions yeah. of a of a UFC. Fight. Yeah, no, no, no. but uh, Andy Savile was uh, was brilliant, and and again, he um he's just a lovely, lovely bloke to speak to, and as they all were again, similar with the first book. I mean, Gareth Ainsworth, Gareth is like you know the longest serving manager in the league. You couldn't meet a more down to earth guy. Yeah, absolutely lovely, lovely guy. 
and still loves North End and you know was gutted when that we had that his last loan spell when he when he came and a deal was all set up for him and he'd have been brilliant. I cannot understand Craig Brown. Other than Craig probably had a budget and he wanted to bring in people like Fuller and, and stuff. So you'd say, well okay, but I just wish we'd have signed Gareth Ainsworth because, you know, I'm not Chris Cedric's biggest fan. And uh, <laughs> good job I've already had him on the pod, isn't it? No, he was lovely. I listened to it, and he was he's a really <laughs> nice guy. And I'm sure he's a really nice guy. But God, yeah, he, is, he is. To be fair, he's a brilliant. And um, but Ainsworth on that on that right hand side would have been absolute. He, he'd have been superb for us, and he, he would. Have, I think he'd have made all the difference to, you know, fine margins if he'd have stuck around and still been going in the Billy era. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, little Gareth would have been fantastic for us, but. Uh, yeah, so he, he was lovely. And again, he's got some great stories to tell about John Beck. John Macken, um, oh, I know you, you've spoken to him. He's, uh, he's, very, he's very much um, a deep thinker, isn't he? Yes. When it comes yeah. to... So I've got written down about him, a deep thinker about the game. <clears throat> I think, I think of, of some of them who you think, well, they're not in the game anymore or, or whatever. But I think uh, people who are still in the game, John Macken was, was like somebody who's quite intense and, and you could see he's got that, that management or aura about him which yeah. is a surprise really because when you when you see him play you know he never really struck you as um, uh, you know as a, as, a, as a management type player some people you look at and you think yeah this this guy's got you know you know but I mean Johnny Mack he, he was he was great and again he's got some um, some great stories um, Mikel which we talked about Brian O'Neill was fantastic I love Brian O'Neill absolutely love it and you know straight talking and for years I think you know, when, once we lost Sean Gregan, we didn't really replace him for for a few years until Brian came along. Mm. And, uh, and when he arrived, we were like, "Yeah, fantastic!" He was like the successor to Gregan. I just wish we'd have had him a few years earlier, and he, he would have been a you know an even bigger legend because you know we only caught him for a few years towards the back end of his career. But what a player he was, Brian. If, again, yeah. if you're too young to remember Brian, no, I, I remember him not not vividly, but I remember him. I remember watching him one game, and I was just—I was just watching him like intensely. Just, I don't know why, but off the ball, and uh, there was this—I can't remember who we were playing. But this guy, like his, his man that he was actually marking, just went to like make a run. And Brian O'Neill just took his foot out and just legged him up. <laughs> <laughs> off, the, off the ball, and then this bloke was going absolutely apeshit, and Brian O'Neill just—yep, nothing just, going on. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was just like, you know, again, he just tapped people's ankles as he ran past. He was like Ben Pearson, but he never got caught. Yeah. And he was in, him and McKenna in the middle of the park, chipping away at the referee all the time. And you know, he didn't mention Ben Pearson by name, but them two, you know, they would just be, he'd be refing the game, Brian O'Neill. I love it. And um, so he was he was good. Peter Hayam, again, one of the older chaps uh, with Eric Jones, you know, Royal Marine Commando, um, professional footballer, male model. I mean, he was just... Quite, again, quite a CV, isn't it? Quite a CV. And, and what, 88, 89, this guy? And he was sharp as attack. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And and again, the stories that he tells about about what life was like again and injuries and what people were like and a great, great story. I won't go into it here because it'll be a plot spoiler about the physio at North End one time. Um, that was uh, fantastic. Um, another one um, from the from the book again, one of my favourite players of all time, definitely in my top ten. Brian Kidd, um, he's just kiddo again. Might be a bit before your time, Jake, but he was I, he was sort of again. I remember. I don't think I'd start going on that regularly when he was playing because it was like early to mid nineties, wasn't he, Brian Kidd? 
yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he, he was he was all the way through, really. I mean, you know, <coughs> he, he was one of those unassuming players that, uh, you know, he, he just never really got the limelight, never really in the press or never made a fuss about anything. Yeah. But he was, with me and my brother, absolutely, love all the lads that I go on with, absolutely love him because he was just, he just run through a brick wall for you. And yeah. he never let us down. He was always like um, a 7 out of 10 player. Very, very rarely had a bad game. Um, 7 out of 10 player every week. And then sometimes he'd be like 8, 9s and, and, and that, you know. And But his attitude for, you know, where he came from, joining us in the fourth division to knocking on the door for the Premier League, the same yeah. people, Lee Cartwright, you know, and uh, Dave Lucas, every year he talks about how he had to step up and Moisey was pushing him every year to, to sort of step up again. Yeah, when, when I had Grezer on, he, he said... Pretty much the same thing. He said it was Greza, uh, sorry, Moisey, and sort of the the mentality that they had in the squad that they knew they'd been on this journey together and wanted to carry it on. And he said they were just so driven and so, um, what's the word? Focused. Focused, yeah, to just to just try and go as far as they could because they knew where they'd come from. But he's, I think he, he was basically saying ultimately knew we knew we could do it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, they, obviously, Kiddo talks about that game at the the, the playoff final against Bolton, and, yeah. and it's really interesting because I've never watched that game back. Um, and then the other week, because we were talking about it, uh, I, I went on YouTube and I watched the highlights. Yeah, and we, we we put some pressure on them. We really did. It was obviously it was one nil till about the 88th minute when we were playing Colin Murdoch centre forward. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's listening to Kiddo and, and Johnny Mack can talk about it as well because obviously Johnny Mack has a chance early on. People always talk about it. And the people have always said to me, oh, Johnny Mack should have scored that header. And because I'd never watched it back and I, it, was, it hurt too much, I thought, man. So, so before I spoke to Johnny Mack, I watched it back and I, I looked at this header and I thought, that's not an easy chance. Yeah. It's not like it's a sitter and he's got an open goal. And yeah. it, it, you know, it, 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 the, the defender misses it. He has like a split second to react. He still gets it on target and the keeper makes a save. I mean, it's not like he's ballooned one, you know, from, from five you know, yards out or something. It's not like a sitter. And again, he sets up Healy for, for one in the second half that their keeper made a good save for. And um, so again, these things that you forget about, uh, they, they come back and... and and you and you get like inside the dressing room, and I think that's it with Kiddo as well. He's talking about he texts you inside the the uh, the surgeon's office when he gets told you know the, his career is ended, mm. and just like that out of the blue, one minute he's he's training and Moisey's telling him I need you for Saturday, Ryan. Bloody day! I've just got to go and see this doctor, boss. I'll be uh, I'll be back this afternoon, and then that's you know, it. That's it. Yeah, and he yeah. had no he had no long contract. He had no insurance payout. All this, and obviously, then he went off to to Berry, and and well, he trained with North End under Simon Davy, and he helped out there for a while. But then, what happened at Berry? And he's a Blackburn now, and uh, just a lovely, lovely bloke to speak to. And again, yeah. he's one of them, kiddo. And I, I wasn't surprised by this. He doesn't understand how popular he is. Um, even though, when a few years back, he came with Barnsley when he was at Barnsley with uh, Simon Davy, and I remember when he came out of the tunnel. The, the cheer and the applause for Simon Davy and, and Ryan Kidd. They didn't really announce it. The guy on the microphone didn't announce it or anything. Yeah. But they, they came out and people just saw it was Ryan Kidd and Simon Davy and, and like just the spontaneous applause all around. And and he, he said, he said, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, that people would even know what we look like now and recognise yeah, yeah. 
and was like, Ryan, you know, come back to North End. And, and like, and I always think this is a side issue, but I always think when they have the ex players on at half time at North End, they don't do enough with it. You know, they don't make a big announcement, they don't put it on the screen, they don't say X, Y, and Z, they don't show a highlight clip, they yeah. don't. Everybody now, you know, and sometimes it's embarrassing. You know, they've got Brian Mooney standing at the side of the pitch at half time. Everybody is chatting among themselves. I'm thinking, hold on, Brian Mooney is down there. What's wrong with you? Come on. Yeah. Um, I, I, said, um, so, I, I mean, there's so much they could do. And this is, again, this is one of my getting on my soapbox issues. But there's so much they could do at the club to, you know, to make the match day experience more, more more interesting. And even like, you know, talking to some of these lads, they were saying about John Becker used to have the kids with the flags as they came yeah. out. I, like, I don't know, we do a little bit of that now, but we haven't really moved on. We come out to the same crap music that, that Man United come out to. It's not even our song. We have, you know, the, the, the hot pots, we love your P&E, but there's, no, there's nothing special about it. Even somebody pointed this out to me the other day. Remember when we used to do that thing at half time and it was like uh, on my shed, son? Yeah. Used to chip the ball into yeah, the shed. I think we've spoken about that on the podcast. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, why do we not do that anymore? Just even something that's just a bit lively than little kids yeah. doing a penalty shootout down the bottom, which nobody knows what's going on. It's great for the kids, but nobody knows what's going on. And you've got, like I say, Brian Mooney talking over there. I, I, I just think they should. And I think when, after we come back after this COVID thing, who knows what it's going to be like. But they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. They, there was talk at the start of the season, wasn't it, about having this fan zone. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, these are, again, are things that, that they should do just to encourage people down. Even if at the back of the town in there, in that sort of quadrant area where they've got uh, around the back of the old snooker club. Yeah. They've got, you know, you could do anything there. Even if you had, you know, a number of North End fans were selling stuff, not just books or mugs or, or whatever. But like people selling shirts and things on eBay and scarves and homemade yeah. stuff that people have done, you could just like once a, once a month, you could say first game of the month or whatever, just push it and say, well, we're going to have a North End market and get the little band on, get the Langshot pots down or whatever. Yeah. And just get something. Because the other thing is, I used to go and drink in um, the, uh, the Deepdale pub. Well, that's gone. Obviously, the Sumners has gone. The Garrison's gone. Um, St. Greg's is, uh, looks like it's in the clag and, and he's you know, struggling to keep his water. Um, you've got the Deepdale Labour Club, but there's not a load of places around there now. And no. every, everywhere else you go, you, when you go as an away fan, you see the home fans and they've got like, they've got things laid out, haven't they? Yeah. And they get people down to the ground and, you know, they do it abroad. Build the atmosphere. And... Yeah, I just, I just think there's so much more that we could do. And it, I, I don't know. Uh, so when, when you're prepping for the books then, do you, uh, I don't know if I asked you this one in the first one, I might have done, but I can't remember. Anyway, do you like draw up a list of ideal candidates and then just start to work on trying to sort of get in touch with them and, and get them get them involved in the book? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I I I I've got a list of um already I've got a list of about twenty people for the for the next one. Uh, what happened with this one is that like I say, I did I did the first one and I wasn't sure there was going to be a second one. I, I, like I said, I just thought it'd be a, a one-off, and I might have to go off and get a proper job again and uh, do something. <laughs> and um, and instead, straight away, people came on to me. I'm not naming names, but some of the people in the second book actually approached me and said, I've got the book, it's brilliant. You know, Can I be in the second one? And I was like, well, I can't really say no to these people because these you know some really big names and some mm. of my heroes and uh, yeah it's just a case of, of them going through the, the list and I think there's only one guy who uh, I've, I've 
tried to make contact with who's who's who swerved me and uh naming no names of course maybe no names i can't because i might i might i'm open to try and get him for the third one but yeah um and it could just be that you know he's shy or he, he can't do it at these times i don't know but um but yes but you, you you try and track him down and all sorts of all sorts of ways social media and uh you know maybe linkedin i found has been quite useful like I always say footballers get such a bad rep at times and yeah. everyone sees like, you know, they think they're all like a Juve at Liverpool and people like yeah. that. But they're not. They're, they're, when you sit down with them, they're, they're just nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100. They are humble, really friendly, genuine people. And, you know, if ever I go to meet them for a coffee, they're always the ones who say, oh, I'll get the coffees. Don't worry about that, you know. Yeah. And um, when I was sat with Hunts in the... Um, in the coffee shop in Preston and people were coming up and talking to him and getting his pictures. Okay. He was, he was just a credit to the club in everything yeah. that he does. I mean, you can tell that with Hunt Scarney and, and Tom Clark, that these guys are model professionals. It's the same with Galley in the first book. And you can see that these people, when you talk about setting the tone of the dressing room, um, and, and see how important they are. Yeah. And, and it goes right back to Graham Alexander and Chris Lucchetti and people like that in the first book. And, you know, when Paul McKenna was saying in, in, in this one that when Paul Simpson bombed out um, Graham Alexander, you know, they, it wasn't just that they were losing a great player and a club captain. They were losing a real influence in the dressing room. Yeah. Brian O'Neill, blimey, Brian O'Neill in his chapter, he talks about um, picking up one or two players on things and what Billy Davis was like. And if people were, you know, they would dig, dig people out. You know, Brian O'Neill talks about, you know, he would have a go at Graham Alexander. And Graham mm. Alexander would have a go back, and you know if they didn't think they were working hard enough, yeah. that, they were driving each other on behind the scenes. But they were massive mates, you know, and that's the thing. He says people were doing it for the right reasons, and and uh, you know if you were chipping away, if, if anybody came into training and they were a bit slack or they were late for training, it wasn't necessarily the manager was picking up. It was Gresley, it was Brian O'Neill, it was McKenna, it was people yeah. like that, you know. Keeping the keeping the standards up, and I think that's you can see that now with people like Hunts and Tom Clark and obviously Galley, uh, and that's why I personally think you know I'd love to see Galley and Tom Clark given longer contracts and stick around as, and Hunts as well because w- what we've seen in the, in you know in the years gone by is when you lose those players things start to drop off, and um, you know you, you can just see that lack of intensity and and Brian O'Neill Brian O'Neill in particular. <laughs> talks about uh, getting the the intensity right and you know one of the things that impressed him most when he came to North End was the the set of lads and training under Billy Davis and he said if anybody complained to Billy about you know somebody's had a go at me or he says listen he said that Billy Davis would say what you know basically shut up and get on yeah yeah, don't come to me about it. You yeah. know, just, just get yourself sorted out. And it was like it's really interesting um, to talk to. Um, just, just on Billy, have you tried to get him involved in the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. To be fair, um, Billy was all lined up to do it, and uh, I was just pinning down, finalising a date with him. And I think he's got some uh, ongoing legal issue. I don't even know if it's football uh... up in Scotland. And his lawyer stepped in and said, "Oh, don't don't do any interviews because I, right. I probably didn't know anything about it, but they just put a blanket down and said, "Look, I've told you, don't talk to anybody because you might drop something out which the other side will grab." And yeah, I, I don't know. that, but, that I mean, explains a lot. I've been trying to get. I, I spoke to him 
October last year, I think. Yeah. And, and he said, yeah, I'd be happy to come on, blah, blah, blah. And then I've not been able to get hold of him since. So that would explain. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, I, I, he's, he's, he was all right about it. And I think he says, you know, when this is all done and he's happy to talk, because he obviously famously said he, he was going to do his own book and, uh, and X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I think he's given one interview um, in the past six months, I think, with The Athletic. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen, seen something. Slightly, yeah, it's slightly classic Billy. I don't um, think that was uh, specifically North End, though, was it? Was that no, more was about it, his forest time? Just about his, his time, yeah. I mean, I'm really surprised that nobody has, has, has given him a go because his record is still fantastic. Um, but maybe the game's moved on. You know, it, we've seen it elsewhere, haven't we, that play, the people, managers are successful in a certain era and um, and then... Time, times change and that's it. Down the line, they're, they're, you know, things have moved on and could you get away with talking to players like Billy maybe talks to people? I don't know. Mm. Um it just seems to be like a different era now, and and yeah. that man management side is is all important because because of the money they get. That, that you know we we've seen what happens in clubs, not necessarily North End, whereby players down tools because the manager said something nasty to them, and you know don't bother don't bother much on a Saturday afternoon, and things go downhill. Yeah. So um so yeah, I mean it's um, hopefully I'll get in for the third one. Sean at Ledger uh, is in this one, and Ledger's a, a a great lad to talk to as well. Really nice, really. Again, as he just as he comes across on the pitch, always has a smile on his face, uh, has some great stories, and I think it's it's he talks about when he went to Middlesbrough and then obviously when he came back and what that was all about. And basically, he came back to work with Alan Irving because um, it was Southgate who took him up to Middlesbrough, but then yeah. Southgate got fired and uh, Strachan, Strachan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he talks a little bit about that, but he he said because the deal wasn't set in stone and he didn't think he was doing. He hadn't really settled up there. And he wanted to come back and get back under Alan Irving. Who, I, I seem to remember we played Borough while he was did. while he was there, and he played against us. And I remember yeah. John Parkin going up against him. And yeah, yeah, he talks about that. He talks about that game and what it was like. And 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 yeah, it's 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 interesting that when he left North End, he had good clubs. You know, he went to Leicester, and uh, you know, he, at the time the money was just starting to come into Leicester. Yeah. Um, but then he he went across to America and he had a bit of an adventure out there. And but he, I mean, he had a good career playing for Ireland and scored some big goals for Ireland and stuff. Scored at the Euros for him, didn't he? Yeah, but look, it's strange if you look at his record on soccer base, he didn't play that many games after after he left North End because mm. he had injuries or then he couldn't get in the side at Leicester and uh, because they brought in loads of people. But he played under Ericsson. At um, at Leicester and Trapattoni at Republic uh, of Ireland, and he played with Kakar out in um, in America. One of the interesting things about this book is I was trying to think the other day um, about the people that the the, the the subjects, the people I've I've spoken to, I've had dealings with, and this list of players and people, football figures is just unbelievable. You know, Pele is in it. Uh, one of the lads has had an experience with Pele, and it's not one of the older generation either. Uh, Matt Busby, Billy Wright, Matt Lofthouse, uh, yeah. Ferguson, Roy Keane, uh, Thierry Henry, all these people, Kakar. And, and, and he, I thought, blimey, if you could write down all the people that, that, that our people have met, Matt Busby, you know, Johnny Macken meeting Matt Busby when he was a young lad. You know, it's just fascinating to, to sort of see 
how much of a small world it is. You know, Mooney when he was yeah. working Dalglish and playing with Rushy and stuff in the in that Liverpool team in the in the eighties. Um, fantastic. So um, so yeah, I mean they've all got you know really good stories to tell and. Uh, I think one of the the best ones for me, although they're all I, I, I like them all, they're all different, but they're all great. But one of the best ones for me, and one of the nicest guys I've ever met, is Alex Bruce, and yeah. what a hero uh, for North End he was, absolutely superb. And uh, Brucey, again, he's got that sort of his, that context about it, about what it was like in because he signed for North End in the, the late sixties and uh, played right through to the eighties, so he saw that. Uh, that seventies uh, decade through, yeah. he, had a, he had a spell away at Newcastle where they signed him, and again he talks about why they signed him and how all that came about, and it's all laughable, really, that what went on. And um, and there's another one, you know, Brucey. I was saying this the other night that he went up to Newcastle and we got to the ground and there was nobody there, and this old fella came up and he was showing him around the ground and taking him, you know, around the city and just saying, oh, this is that, and that's there, and giving him a bit of a tour. And Bruce is like, all right, yeah, thanks very much. And it was only about a week later they realised it was Jackie Milburn. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but at the time, Jackie Milburn was just sort of, you know, I wouldn't say an old job man, but he wasn't anything special at the club, you know, back in the 70s. And now they've got the statue about him and it's war Jackie and everything is all, you yeah, know, yeah. About, about, oh, Jackie Milburn's the all-time hero. He's like their version of Tom Finney. And, you know, but um, it, it's it's really interesting, Bruce, and, and what what he can do, Alex, because he's a really sharp guy, really nice guy. He can, he can remember conversations almost word for word with certain managers. So, he has a couple of run-ins with um, uh, uh, Gordon Lee uh, when he was manager at North End. And he, he basically talks you through the entire conversation or, or argument that he had with Gordon Lee about, you know, what he was meant to be doing on the pitch. And he, and he says, you know, things that went on. And then he, he comes out and he bumps into Sir Tom and Sir Tom, like, gave him a bit of a pet. It's all just fascinating stuff. And, and, and brilliant, brilliant, you know, to, to, uh, to see what life was like. And one of the sad things is um, if there is a recurring theme, it's like when Brucey was sent out to Newcastle in, in 73, I think it was, Yeah, he basically pushed out the door. And and the same with the first book. There are so many, you know, great players that we've had who wanted to stay. And, you know, it's Tony Ellis, it's Ricardo Fuller. Uh, it's in this one, it's Brian Mooney as well. Brian saying that he didn't want to leave. And um, But you've read about what what goes on at the end there with Brian Mooney. And this is ridiculous. This is mm. one, of the, one of the best players that we'd had in, in the entire 1980s. He, anybody who remembers Brian Mooney will tell you he was just fantastic. And what went on with Brian Mooney at the end, he's just crazy. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because McKenna, um, a great lad McKenna, by the way, every, you know, I think he, he was a lovely, another lovely bloke to talk to, very straightforward and, and, and very open about things. And he said that... Um, you know, when Simpson took over, he wasn't taking over a failing team. He was taking over a team that, you know... Successful. You know, and um, all he had to do was just build on that. And he didn't... And he he got sort of slightly paranoid, I think, about the the, the older players and the players and the the Graham Alexanders, you know, know, having a big influence. And he was maybe intimidated by that because he was quite a young manager. And uh, he set about dismantling it. And it was stupid, really, because... You know, if you've got that, you just, you know, you, you, you're well. Like I say, you, you build on it, don't you? And, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one, that. But the other one, really, the last chapter in the book, 
is, and it's, it, when I do these books, I try and, you know, space them out. So there's, there's nobody in any particular order, yeah. but the last chapter, you know, is one that anchors it. So in the first one, it's Moisey and this, uh, sorry, the first one, it's uh, Graham Alexander. And, um, the, um, the, the second one is Gary Peters and Gary Peters is absolutely fantastic bloke to speak to. I mean, again, God, God, it's a bit like Graham Alexander. He absolutely loves North End. And, you know, he talks about the city and the people. Uh, he loves Preston. And he just, you know, he's, he spent a lot of his career, most of his playing career down south. But he said, but he couldn't believe it when he came up north and he met the people and then he'd go in the summers after the game. And after the game, this is only, well, I say only, but he's probably 20-odd years ago now, which seems like yesterday to me. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about, you know, after the game, You'd get all the players after a home game into the Sumners and they'd stay in there till like 10 o'clock at night with their wives and everybody and all the fans would be in there and they'd be, yeah. they'd encourage them to talk to the fans in the in the pub and he'd say to them, you know, these are the people who you're representing. These are the, You've got to be one of these people. It's not the, like now when you'd never see a North End player, you know, apart from Alan Brown in Beluga. You'd never see a, <laughs> you'd never see a, a North End player maybe out and about in, in, the, in the pubs. But, you know, he'd get the entire team after a game. Part of their post-match routine was down to the Sunders and they'd just stay in there till 10 o'clock having a drink and whatnot. Yeah. Just how, you know, he had, a, he had a bed at the training ground and he used to go here, there and everywhere watching oh, yeah. players and he uh, do all his, um, uh, his scouting was like legendary. And he talked about, you know, basically when he was John Beck's assistant, uh, John Beck would say to him sometimes, I want you to have a look at a player tonight. Um, and he'd say, well, okay, who's he playing? He's playing for Plymouth in Plymouth. And this would be like, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, and he'd say, well, John, it, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's like a six-hour drive. And John Beck would just say, well, you better get going then, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, he has a few stories about John Beck that, that, that you know, the, the classic John Beck stories. And, and, and uh, But he, he's brilliant, and he, he, he's... He, He's, I think Gary, when he go to his house, I went to his house. He has North End pictures all over the wall. Yeah. He has North End pictures on his phone and everywhere. And his, his email address has got P&E and he's still a massive, massive uh, North End fan. And Does he still live local as well? Yeah, fairly local. He's up in the Northwest. But he's, um, he's, I think he's also gutted that he is not involved with the club now because mm. Uh, I think he was bombed out in the end when it was the ITV digital collapse and they yeah. were doing some cutbacks. And uh, he'd been working on the, the academy there and uh, they reorganised things. And he, he basically, you know, fell on his sword a bit, I think. Right. Um, he talks about what happened at the end, but I think he's he's just still really sad that that he's not involved in some way because... You know, he, I think he'd do anything for North End. And a lot of these players would. Joey Garner in the first one, you know, he says, you know, when, when I finish, I'd do anything for North End. You yeah. know, and, um, it's, it's really interesting that so many of these players have got that emotional attachment. Andy Saffle was only with us for, you know, less than 18 months, less than a season and a half. But again, all on his phone, at his house, he has the big pictures of, of yeah. North End. And for all the teams, Andy Saff played for, I don't know, about about 10 teams. And he had three, he actually had three promotions in three different seasons with three different clubs. And we were the middle one. He went up with Birmingham, he went up with North End, and he went up with Wigan the following season. But he says out of all of them, 
he says the North End one was the one that by far meant the most to him. And, yeah. You know, you know, while it was nice with, with Birmingham and Wigan, but not a patch, he says, on being at North End. He says it was just like incredible. Tom Clark, Tom Clark's fascinating bloke. Exactly what you'd think. Um, Clarky is, you know, the classic Yorkshireman, down-to-earth Yorkshireman. And you can see why he's Captain Clarky. I mean, he is, again, just solid, straight up, you know, run for a brick wall for you, proper words, just a proper lovely bloke. Same with Hunt. I mean, Hunt's just, you know, them two, just fantastic. And, and, you know, um, he talks about the Blackpool goal and uh, fascinating story about Tom Clark. He has two brothers, one of whom... um, Plays for, uh, was professional footballers. Yeah. Was a was a big footballer for uh, for Huddersfield and that and that. And his other brother uh, has a decent film career. I won't give you the way, but he's in he's he's like involved in like some of the biggest films going. So uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I always like, well, yeah. And um, so yeah, so it's all um, it's all interesting that, that these sort of again these spin off stories that come out in yeah. and little little vignettes and little anecdotes that players just drop in sometimes that they don't think are important and I go really that's unbelievable mm. and uh, yeah so, so we get it all in so yeah it's uh, it's it's all good out now Jake selling um, hotcakes 10% of profits to the baby beat yeah I was just going to say and you, you, you donate into a good cause as well um, yeah, yeah where, where can people get them from uh, well, at the moment, it's only available online, really, at uh, the northendsouls.com website. Um, I'm talking to the club shop, but obviously it's shut at the moment, so yeah. no one knows when that's going to reopen because the first one has gone really well in the club shop and uh, and it's sold really well in there. Yeah. Um, but then, then they definitely do want the second one in, but obviously they're shut at the minute. It's just a case uh, of when, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've donated some to the... Um, Community trust, so some yeah, I've seen that and and stuff, and some at the uh, the baby beat shop at Shara Green. So if anybody's in hospital and they want you know any North End fans, if they pop down the baby beat shop, they'll be able to get some down there. Yeah, um, but yeah, mainly it's through the website, and uh, they've gone all over the world. Yesterday, you know, I was sending one out to New York and Good Australia, hell. New Zealand, uh, Brazil, and. Um, North End fans in Germany. I think there are two. There are two North End fan clubs in Germany: Munich Jeez. one and some other guy in Berlin. So they they've had a few guy in Spain, loads to Ireland. Um, Not shocked there. It's just been crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Twitter. Uh, track me down on there. Ask me any questions and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, what, what are you? Uh, what are your Twitter handles? All right. Yeah. At North End Souls. Yeah. And, uh, at K Harrison sixty eight. Which gives away my age. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, not as well on that one too long then. Yeah. Um, yeah. All good. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much, Keith. Really appreciate that. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Jack. The Juice here. You are listening to our latest single, At Times. And of course, it's from the Finney. Says I'm okay, so I'm fine with that. I guess I'll be alright. The crutches on the feelings coming back to me, even when it all seems like, yeah, you know it's alright. 
times You know it's alright at times You know it's alright at times Just don't leave me here all alone We're crossing bridges we haven't discovered yet Let's take things nice and slow well, My brain is moving faster than the speed of light Let's see how far this goes Yeah, you know it's alright at times You know it's alright Just don't leave me here all alone When the walls are closing in Do you sing or swim? When the walls are closing in Do you lose all Don't 